We are continuing learning how to pray according to Jesus' model. So if you've been with us the last four weeks, this is week five already, you know what we're going to do. We're going to stand. If you want to stand with me, we are going to together read, say, recite Matthew 6, 9 through 13. Really should be called the Disciples' Prayer. Many of you know it as the Lord's Prayer, even the Our Father, but really, as we've seen in the last month, uh, it's really the Disciples' Prayer. It's really a model that Jesus gave to his disciples about how to pray. So we're going to uh, read this, and then uh, we're going to move right on. So Matthew 6, 9 through 13. Ready? Begin. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. You may be seated. So if you're just uh, visiting us uh, this morning, welcome. We're in a series, uh, and the, the, the title is, Are You Praying or Just Saying? Are you praying or just saying? Because we just said what many of us know as the Our Father. Uh, But a real question is, uh, were you praying right now, just now, or were you just saying? Right? And we've been challenged deeply since week one to really be honest about our times of prayer, how we pray, our definition of prayer. Uh, Quick survey, how many of us prayed this morning for any length of time? Okay, so honestly, and it may vary depending on how long you've been with us, were you praying today, or were you just saying? Was it just rote, ritual, kind of like, quote-unquote, quiet time, as you've always done it since you became a believer, or maybe even before a believer, praying in some form? So this morning, just think, just think real quick. Were you praying, or just saying? Right? Because we saw, we've seen that, that Jesus and disciple in Luke, 11 says, Lord, teach us to pray. A question that many of us, especially been in church any length of time, probably take as simplistic, as unnecessary. Are you kidding me? Teach us to pray. Right? God is great. God is good. Thank you for this food. I mean, right? I mean, all this kind of like, we picked up prayer somewhere, right? Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Freak me out. Right, it's like supposed to be all secure, but if I should die before I wake, I ain't sleeping then. I mean, right, these things that we pick up, these things that we pick up, sit around the table at Jim and Rob's, food comes, awkward silence. Are we praying this time? Do we have to pray? And why do we ask the Lord to bless the food? Like, is there something wrong with it that supernaturally needs to be fixed from the kitchen to nothing on Jim and Rob? Jim and Rob's my favorite. So any restaurant, like, Lord, bless this food. I'm like, what's wrong with it? Is there something I need to know that the Lord needs to bless it and cleanse it before it enters? I mean, like, stuff that we just pick up, right? Like, can you, can you pray with your eyes open? Right? Let's bow our heads and... What if I want to do this? Right? Right? Can I I pray this way? Because I'm so in love with Father and I just want to talk to Him and this makes me more connected versus this? Because it's Father and sometimes this almost can be like, I'm scared of you, I can't even look at you. This says, oh, Father, thank you. Right? We talked about prayer is really relational. So if I, come to my, if I were to come to my earthly father and, and I say, you know, imagine my dad. He, I come into his room like, if, you know, when I was little. <laughs> oh, you that doth closeth me and giveth me the car keys. Right? What would my dad have done? Be like, get up! Why, why are you talking funny? I'm your dad. I'm your dad. 
right now, and this is not disrespect, but it, this is all designed to get us to really break some of the deep paradigms, the deep traditions, the deeply held truths about prayer that we carried in here. Right? Just why do you pray the way you do? Why do I pray the way I And most of it is mimicked. Most of it is we just picked it up. You got saved and the small group prayed like that, so you just prayed like that. A pastor you really liked. You know, there was a season when everyone prayed like J. Vernon McGee. It was crazy. You grew up with J. Vernon McGee. Everyone talked, friends. Everybody had this little drawl like J. Vernon. Like, it was like, you know, just the way you prayed. I'm like, you listen to J. Vernon, don't you? And then other of you who listen to Piper, you pray like Piper. MacArthurites, you pray like MacArthur. Right? Calvary chapels. I grew up in the Calvary chapels. Somehow or another, everyone prayed like Chuck Smith. It happens. You're exposed to it. I'm not saying anything wrong with it unless you don't think about prayer and you just sort of go into it and you're just saying and you're not praying. Right? And I appreciate the conversations I've had with many of you over the last month that have actually chosen to stop and make some tangible, real decisions in your prayer life, in your prayer life. Right. And, and it's been uncomfortable for some. It's been uncomfortable for some because until you try to change a habit, you don't know how deeply ingrained it is. Right. How many of you right now, honestly, when you leave this parking lot, just because it's maybe more convenient and shorter distance, how many of you turn left? You turn left. Right. Just because. Nothing forces you to turn left. How many of you would now choose to turn right? And if you choose to turn right today, it's going to feel a little bit awkward. It's going to add, what, 30 seconds to your... We live in Ohio, for crying out loud. I'm not sending you up to Upper Hall. I turn right, go up the grade, and then go home. No, just turn right. And if you get really uncomfortable, make a U-turn at the far-way stop and then go that way. I mean, it's like, I'm going right. I've never been this way. It's Ohio. You're not going to get lost. Turn right. Right? How many of you at school had the same path from class to class? And you saw the same people. And then one day you, turned, you decided to go right out of the classroom to your next class. And suddenly like, hey, hey, you saw all these new people just because you made a new decision to turn right and go to class a different way. Right? I'm just challenging us in our routineness that we, we buy into these things. You know, some of you... How many of you get to work sometimes and don't remember the drive? You ever freak out about that too? You're like, oh my gosh, I'm going down. I'm like, how did I get in this lane? Like, I remember merging and like 30 minutes down the road, I'm like, I'm in the fast lane and I have no clue how I got to the fast lane. I'm on so autopilot about it. Well, sometimes in our life we get autopilot on prayer. We just go autopilot. And this, this series is really, it's not about technique. It's not about, you know, follow this formula because that is not what Jesus was talking about. Jesus' model of prayer was based on relationship. It was a, it was a conversation. He was teaching us to have a conversation with Father, our Father, right? That, that song that we sang right here, I love this song. Where is it? Uh, good, Good Father, right? Verse 1, Isla, you could put up. I've heard a thousand stories of what they think you're like. But I've heard the tender whisper of love in the dead of night. You tell me that you're pleased and that I'm never alone. And then, of course, you're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. Think about that. If you really just ponder that and took those two the truths in that verse and course, what would that do to your prayer life? Thank you. What was that again? <laughs> okay, right? <laughs> and, and here's the thing. It would go out of, like, you wouldn't have to think about because it would be like coming out of this truth of it's who you are. It's who you are. It's who I am. I'm loved by you, right? And you would just have this incredible time that somehow we call prayer but out of that relationship of who you are and who i am you would spend time 
with Father. Right? With Father. There's this quote we've been looking at. It says, Prayer is not manipulating God to get what we want, but discovering what He wants us to do, and then asking the Holy Spirit to enable us to do His will. Prayer is not a way to get what we want, but the way to become what God wants. It's relationship. And it's really about Him as the focal point, right? We saw the word pray. Again, many of us never even looked up the word pray. We were just told to pray, but no one ever said, what does that even mean in the Greek? What's a, right? When Jesus says, pray then like this, we just define pray as what we do. Pray, we saw, is, is two parts to it. The first part of the word pray is face-to-face. Pros. It means I'm coming face-to-face into the presence of God. That's a game changer right there. I'm, coming, I'm having a face-to-face moment with the God of the universe that I get to call Father. That's what pray. And, and, and the second part of the word pray, it's face-to-face to say something. So I'm coming and I'm eventually going to say something, but we skip that pray foundational part of pray is I'm coming face to face. It's FaceTime, right? Right? Martin Lloyd-Jones says, prayer is beyond any question the highest activity of the human soul. Man is at his greatest and highest when upon his knees he comes face to face with God. Face to face with God. That's mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. You know, I, I uh, was born in 66, kind of come through, you know, uh, the whole technological revolution, development, right? And I'm, my kids are in their 20s, four of them, three of them, four of them, right? And I still have these conversations once in a while. It's like, you know, when I was growing up, we had landlines, and if I wasn't home, you'd leave a message on the answering machine. Anyone? Right? And then the big thing that came across was pagers. Oh, now you can get a hold of me. Just page me. Right? And then I was at a church in 1990, my first church, and on the weekends they had an emergency line in case you needed to get a hold of someone because it was all landlines. Right? And so they gave us, the pastors would rotate, and the first cell phone, they were like cutting edge, looked like the size of a brick. Anyone remember the cell phones that were like literally like this big with a big old antenna and you needed like a, a camera bag looking thing to carry this cell phone and we would have it for the weekend because we were the 24 you'd be on 24 hour call 48 hour call for the emergency line huge cell phone right and now fast forward to today we literally i'm at my mom's house uh, a while back and she gets out her ipad and she FaceTimes her sister in the Philippines. How crazy is that? Right? We have these devices right now. You could literally FaceTime someone on the other side of the planet if you wanted to right now and have a face-to-face right now. That's what we're talking about, how, how revolutionary this model of prayer was. He was telling the religious leaders, he was telling the people in that culture, Hey, you could FaceTime Father. Any time. See, we're so, we're, we get this, we get this, we're so used to this, so we get numb to how crazy this is. How crazy this is. I push speed dial, some image shows up on this little black box, it's live, and they're on the other side of the planet. How crazy is that? Like literally, right? When you were, if you were in our era, that was like Dick Tracy, George Jetson stuff, right? Watches, the phone call. On the watch, right? We were like, oh, that's never going to happen. That's crazy. That's science fiction. And now, if I wanted to, I could do this, and I could, I could FaceTime my brother in San Diego, and we'd be talking through two little black boxes. I still don't even understand how it works, like how my image gets shot up to the satellite, it gets put back together, and shows up on his phone in real time. I still don't understand that. And as much as I'm blown away by technology, I'm blown away by the supernatural ability to FaceTime Father. Think about that. Just... If, 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 you know, that's where I get kind of like a, a techie geek because I'm like stunned, right? Watching the Olympics, I'm like, how is this possible? 
I even told my, my young daughter, we like the Olympics. The last Olympics, I forget where it was, some other country. And I'm like, how is this? How are we doing this? How is that event happening in that country right now? And we're sitting in my living room, and the image is coming through these boxes and showing up on our TV. I don't, I, my brain, I'm not wired that way to really grasp how that happens, but I'm blown away by it, stunned, right? Watching the Dodgers, right? Stunned. You're like, I could stay home. It's happening right there in Chavez Ravine. We're at home. How? It's, it's crazy. And, and yet you think, how crazy is it when Jesus gave this model that you can FaceTime Father? And you know what he says 24-7, 365? Come on in! Come on in, right? Hebrews 4 says this, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I love that. Let us then with confidence... Oh, man, with confidence. Confidence that you're going to find what you need at his throne. See, that changes everything. It changes your whole approach to prayer, right? And, and kind of in a broad review, because God has really put on my heart for us to kind of, today, let's just focus on why we're able to do this. What enables us? And that verse says it's through Jesus, right? It's through Jesus and we shared before that phrase, in Jesus' name, if you end your prayer with that, please don't end it as a superstitious, magical formula. In fact, I challenged you, and some of you have done it, start your prayers. You say, Father, in Jesus' name I come to you. Because it's an affirmation of a position and a privilege. Father, positionally, I'm in Jesus, and I have the privilege to come to you. So, Father, in Jesus' name I'm coming to you this morning. Changes the whole dynamic. Changes the whole dynamic. Sets you a lot free from, oh, I forgot to say it. Right? Or just saying in Jesus' name just because I think we're supposed to. I think. Right? And some of us have got twisted up in our, in our prayer life. Oh, I didn't say it. <clears throat> right? No. When you say in Jesus' name, it's an affirmation of position and privilege. That's why you come to the throne in confidence because you're coming in Jesus' name. You just simply put your faith in him. And he says, I, I, I know Jesus. I'm with him. Come on in, right? Come on in. You remember, uh, how many of you are doing the reading plan? Anyone doing this? Still hanging in there? Halfway through? Well, if you're doing the reading plan, we're in the book of Esther, right? And Queen Esther, there was a rule in that country. You could not approach the king unless he what? Pointing his scepter at you. Right? If you, if you approach the king without getting his scepter pointed at you, it's death. Right? And I thought of that, how cool it is that because we're in Jesus and we can come to the throne confidently in Jesus' name, we don't have to worry about the scepter. Right? Jesus is our scepter. 24-7, 365. Just being in Christ, I can walk right in. I can walk right in. So what have we learned? So far, Matthew 6, 9 to 11 says this. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Just kind of a broad overview for those that, that are just joining us or just maybe listening for the first time. Our, right? Jesus said, hey, prayer's not about you. Don't, don't make it about you. So the very first word in his model prayer is our. It's collective. It's the family of God. Our, right? Our. And it really challenges us. It's the first word. How much of my prayer life, honestly, was about me? It's just been about me and me doing most of the talking, right? Our Father, Abba, right? So this model prayer is for the redeemed, for the church, those who have put their faith in Christ, new covenant believers, right? So it says, our Father, so he's Father Abba. Abba is what? Papa, Daddy. We come to him in familial intimacy. When it says the fear of God, that's not being scared of God. That's respect and reverence and awe. So he's father. We come to him in intimacy, in confidence, as a family, as his child, right? Romans 8, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. 
For you do not really receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you receive the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. So we're children and we're heirs. We say, Abba, Father. That's how you come to him, right? And then it says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So this is, he's Father Abba, but he's also Father King. He's also Father King. Psalm 103, the Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. So this is a great balance. We talked about this. It's very familial, Abba, but your kingdom come, your will be. He's still king. So familial doesn't mean flippant. And that's kind of where even the church has slid into, oh, yeah, you know, me and Jesus, we're bros. You've got to be real careful about that. Jesus is king of kings, Lord of lords. He's coming on a big white horse to make things right. So be, be real careful about getting too broish with Jesus. Not that he's not family, but you've got to be real careful that family doesn't mean flippant. Because he's still king. Amen? He's still king, right? But that also means he's king and in control. Look at Romans 8.28. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. An incredible truth. Amen? My father is king. And he is so in control of everything that he's going to work everything out for my good ultimately. For his purpose. Because he's king. Because he's sovereign. He's sovereign, right? And then it said, we looked last Sunday, give us this day our daily bread. So he's also father provider. And what have we spent the last two Sundays? Getting to the place where you say, give us this day our daily bread, it right zings us in our culture to pride. Are you at a place where you'll admit your dependence? I need you, Father, for everything in my life. In fact, we saw the scripture. What do you have right now that you... That wasn't given to you, literally, right? Give us this day our daily bread. James 1.17, every good, and good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Coming down, that means 24-7, coming down. He wants to continually. Coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. It means God's not moody. It mean, it, it, that means like he's a good God. He constantly wants to be giving you good things and he doesn't change. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? How many of you sometimes struggle with someone who might be moody at work? And you never know what you're getting until you get there. Anyone? You're just like, oh, man. Or maybe you're sitting next to somebody. You don't know what you're getting from day to day. Talking about you. Maybe it happened this morning. Just saying. Right? Oh, a little bit. Okay, so, you know, the good thing is God doesn't change. Amen? He's a good God. He constantly wants to be providing what you need for your good 24-7. No shadow, no, no variation. I love that. I love that. And then, not just your material needs, it says in Second Peter 1.3, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence. He's already given us everything we need. Amen? We already have it. Some of us come to Father and we like feel like we have to beg and we have to plead. And he's like, I gave it to you. You got it. Second Peter, one thing, you have everything you need for life and godliness. The real issue is you appropriating it, you believing it, you walking in the spirit, you walking in obedience. He already gave it to us. Right? So we come to him and we, we, we saw a couple months ago about grace, right? What, what can we ask God for? Daily bread? Grace to follow Jesus. How many of you need grace just to follow Jesus? Not one day, but one hour at a time. Right? How many of you have had like this really good morning, things are going well, you're like, you're right, right, I don't know, whistling, singing hymns, and then one thing happens at work or someone cuts you off or someone, you get an email or a text. How many of you... You went from like this great walking on water day to like ready to ring somebody's. Like. Right? It's at those times that we're reminded 
that we need His grace continuously. Give us this day, throughout the day, our daily bread. Because I'm going to need you. The minute I get comfortable, the minute I slide into my own self-reliance and my own, I am open game for circumstances to twist me. Right? Right? D.L. Moody says this, A man can no more take a supply of grace for the future than he can eat enough today to last him for six months. Nor can he inhale sufficient air into his lungs with one breath to sustain life for a week to come. We are permitted to draw upon God's store of grace from day to day as we need it. God never gives his strength in advance. So let's stop crossing bridges before we come to them. Anyone ever try to cross a bridge before you came to them? You live in like worst case, what if, right? What if the bridge is out? I don't know. Let's go see if it's out. Right? I love that phrase, right? I love that. Let's stop crossing bridges before we come to them. The Heavenly Father will graciously supply our every need one day at a time. Don't try to bear tomorrow's burdens with today's grace. Amen? That's liberating. That's liberating because it gives us permission and actually reminds us we come to Him every day for our daily bread. But so many of us, we get caught up and we're, we're, we're filling our heads with the news and what's going on, that we're living, we're not even living now. Some of you are already thinking about post-church and issues you have to deal with right, like hours from now or tomorrow. Some of you are already living in tomorrow. You're not enjoying being here because tomorrow at work, you've got to deal with something. You're already living there. Live here. Enjoy this. Redeem this time. Redeem this time. And then finally, he's Father Speaker. And we, we, we looked at this, right? Ecclesiastes 5. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. To draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know that they are doing evil. Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. For God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. Let your words be few. In other words, draw near to hear. Here's, this is going to be a tough one. I challenge you, encourage you, maybe the next time you're going to have a face-to-face with Father, don't say anything initially. Just be says there when you go to the house of god draw near to listen listen right we saw second timothy three sixteen. all scriptures breathed out by god and profitable teaching reproof correction training in righteousness that the man of god may be complete equipped for every good work what are you listening for god to speak through his word through the holy spirit in what four areas teaching Reproof, which is if you're in sin, he'll call you out. Correcting, if you're in error, he'll correct you. Training in righteousness, what you need to be working on in your life. Listen. And if you're open, honestly, he'll talk to you. He'll start speaking to you about that relationship. He'll start speaking to you about how you're handling your money and your time. He'll start dealing with your fears and anxieties and insecurities. It's all through his word. And again, I'm going to repeat In your prayer, God will never, ever, ever, ever speak to you something that is not in accord with his written word. Amen? Biggest check there is. There's a lot of stuff out there on prayer and spiritualism and mysticism. You can get so subjective so quick and your feelings, and then all of a sudden you get fooled, and it's just really what you want, but you're couching it in what you think God wants because I prayed about it. Your number one check, most important check, as you pray, doesn't match the Word of God. Right? Doesn't match the Word of God. God, there's plenty to, there's plenty to speak to you about from the Word of God. Amen? Plenty. If you will take the time to listen. So just next time, encourage you. I'm going to have face-to-face. I'm going to FaceTime Father. But by golly, I'm going to let him talk first. (laughs) I'm going to let him talk first. 
Now, for some of you, that's hard. And for me, because how many of you in a conversation, someone's talking and you're already in your mind not listening because you're formulating what you're about to say back? So you're not even listening anymore. You're just loading your ammunition or you're preparing to respond. No. Pray. Sit before Father. Don't try to outthink him. Just pray. And I've encouraged you before. Get a journal. Get something to write with. Get your Bible and be ready to write. Because if God speaks to you and he puts a verse on your heart and he starts speaking this application to you that's biblical, it's on you now to do something with it. That's where your faith comes to life. That's where you understand Sundays and come into a sermon. That's part of it. But by golly, God can speak to you through his word every day of the week. Amen? That's the truth of it. That's the crazy supernatural part of this walk with Jesus, right? So he's Father Abba, he's Father King, he's Father Provider, he's Father Speaker. And I know that's kind of tough, you know. My dad, I know he loved us deeply, but my dad was very quiet. My dad was a very quiet dad, just the, the, the quiet provider type. And part of it was cultural, just part of, right? So I didn't have this real, like, conversational dialogue with my dad growing up. I just didn't. We loved each other, but... We were fine, right? I talked to my mom. My mom worked with, right? So I I had to figure this out because I didn't have this role model of dialoguing or even listening to my father because my earthly father didn't say much to me. He just didn't. So I got to be honest with you, this this is tough because I couldn't, right? Abba, okay, I know my dad loved me deeply and cared for the family deeply, but we weren't like... You know, we were like more like dude-dudes who didn't like, we weren't like huggy father-son. We were like, hey, hey. (laughs) Pretty much what it was, right? Hey, you know, he'd come to my games, he'd come watch. He he was there, but verbally, not touchy-feely, and neither was I. So this Abba father thing, I had to figure that out, right? I had to figure that out. So you got to hang in there. It's going to be uncomfortable for some. That doesn't mean it's wrong. It doesn't mean you're not even on the right track. In fact, it might mean you're on the very right track because you're out of your comfort zone. You're like, okay. I, I challenged some of you before. I challenged you week one. Maybe for some of you, it's starting prayer, thinking about what you say, very first word, and you say Father instead of dear God or Lord or whatever. Nothing wrong with those, but maybe for some, it's literally choosing to say Father, and what would that do to your dynamic? Father, or Abba. I've had to literally practice this. It took me a long time when I was a young believer. Now, honestly, I have a greater understanding of, you know in that verse, pray without ceasing? Right? We, many of us interpreted that incorrectly like talk without ceasing because prayer was talking, right? So pray without ceasing. How am I supposed to talk all day? No, no, no. Pray without ceasing is to have face-to-face, to walk in God's presence without ceasing. And so when, I'm, when I understand that in prayer, when it says pray without ceasing, it means I'm going, something happens, and I'm like, oh, Abba. Literally. I'll just say, oh, Abba, I need you with that. Or Abba, what do you think, Lord? I'm just, I'm having FaceTime with Father all the time. That's pray without ceasing. Is to be in His presence all the time. Amen? See it? You see it? We're getting it, right? It, it, it's so relational. And I was thinking of this, and, and uh, Mark and I had a, a wonderful discussion because we were like, okay, I want to be in relationship. I want to be able and be comfortable asking Father for my daily bread, not just my material provisions, but my spiritual needs as well. And, and Mark and I had a wonderful conversation, and, and I asked him if he would come up and share his story a bit prayer and, and his walk with Jesus and time with Father and, and then even what God put on his heart about what it means when we say give us this day our daily bread. What does it mean? So come on up Mark, why don't you share with us for a bit. So last week I'm sitting in church listening to Richie preach and 
the Lord put something on my heart just talking about the bread of life and, you know, Richie kind of encourages us to think beyond, you know, just the practical sustenance. And I go up to Richie after church and I just share with him kind of what the Lord was putting on my heart. And, you know, and I said, this would be really good for you to consider, you know, incorporating this in the next week or two in ministry and what you teach, you know. And he says, ah, that's awesome. Why don't you do it? Yeah, that's exactly what I did, you know. It's like, no, that's not what I meant. I meant like you do it, you know. So, but here we are. The Lord, uh, the Lord wanted this this way. So, so just uh, kind of backing up for a second. Um, Richie did ask me just to kind of set the stage just a little bit um, relative to my own um, faith journey. And I talked a lot about this. Is going to be a super condensed version. Um, I, I talked about this more. Uh, couple of months ago. But um, I I grew up in a very nominal Episcopalian home. There really wasn't much active faith going on in in, uh, uh, my home at all. And as I grew into uh, teenage years, I really did find myself seeking, trying to understand meaning in life and that kind of stuff. And I looked at about everything you can look at. You know, I did everything teenagers do. um, And I looked at Eastern mysticism. I looked at everything. But I found myself being continually drawn back to to uh, considering Christ, really was uh, opposed to it, rejected it, but I couldn't get away from the Holy Spirit really uh, kind of drawing me. My, my story is really kind of summed up in Romans 7, um, where uh, Paul says, For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil that I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but the sin sin living in me that does it. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. That really kind of sums up my journey, you know, of that struggle of wanting to be someone that I clearly was not and finding um, salvation truly in Jesus and understanding the truth of needing to be saved and being saved by him. So nine months after I got saved, um, I moved down to Isla Vista um, to go to UCSB and found myself um, involved with a communal group of Christians that um, shortly after that, Kathy and I got married and lived with for about eight years. Um, So we lived in a a very intentional and intense type of community. We had, there was a lot of prayer, of FaceTime, of conversation, of relationship with our Father uh, in the midst of our lifestyle and our life together. We met frequently. There was lots of just teaching and input relative to understanding who God was, preaching the gospel, loving Jesus. Um, I was really fortunate. I, I look at I was a brand new Christian, and it was really my first understanding and exposure to who is Jesus and what does it mean to follow him. Um, to have really a very deep and permanent foundation kind of laid in my life that really gets at this, um, the lyrics that Richie read from Good, Good Father understanding who God is and who is Jesus and understanding who I am both apart from him and in him. And I just was blessed, frankly, with being able to be exposed to a great deal of, of growing and learning and experience um, in that regard. I really came to understand the power, the majesty, the glory of the eternal God as expressed in Jesus Christ, the man, the, the Son of God, given to me, given to us through the Holy Spirit and expressed to the world through his church, through his body. And I got to learn about all those things. And I also learned the depth of the powerlessness of man, of my own um, inability to even be a Christian, of how I really had nothing to offer or nothing to do apart from Jesus Christ. Um, I learned and believed that in this life, I really don't need anything other than Jesus, that in Jesus, I mean, I need, you know, practical things, but for true satisfaction, for joy, for meaning, for purpose in life, that my desires, my longings, the, um, the issues in my life really are addressed only through Jesus permeating and being King and Lord in my heart, in my mind, and in my life. 
Um, I developed over the years of God working in my life, uh, mostly through a lot of prayer, just really extensive time in prayer, time with God in everyday circumstances that what Richie was talking about, that praying without ceasing and learning how to just walk in his presence and turning to him frequently uh, through the course of the day, and being around others who were pursuing the same desires and had the same heart to just follow Jesus with everything that we had, that I wanted nothing but Jesus. And I I learned and I, I grew spiritual eyes. That's kind of the only way I can think about it, that I was able to really just see God as my father. And there was a relationship. It really was relational for me, that that relationship of face-to-face with my God uh, was something that was forged. Um, it, it didn't diminish God. It was a very, you know, holy experience of being in God's presence. It, it, I'm not talking about, like Richie was talking, flippant. It was very um, holy and yet comfortable, real and yet powerful. Um, And I just learned that through years of kind of learning and being with others who were pursuing the same thing. Um, So kind of how did all that happen? I happen to have the benefit, I guess, of living kind of in a little bit of an incubator, you know, where it was just this very intense environment. But there really were three things, I think, that, that shepherded me through that whole period of time. One was teaching, really solid, good biblical teaching about who Jesus is and who God is. Um, two was the power of the Holy Spirit, just the revelation, the revelatory work of the Holy Spirit in my mind, in my heart, to help me understand the things that I was being taught. And three was the church, was others, was his body that I was a part of with other people. We were locked arm in arm, and we were all moving in the same direction. Um, and I'd kind of sum up um, kind of those years for me, uh, verses that just spoke, this verse really sums it up for me. It's in Colossians 3, 1 to 4. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things, for you have died. And that was something I really came to, had to come to grips with, that I had died, and my life is hidden in Christ, in God, when Christ, who is my life, when he appears, then I will also appear with him in glory. So this brings me, that's kind of the background story, and this brings me up to last week, and I told you that, um, uh, you know, kind of how uh, this came about that I'm up here today. But Richie, you know, has been talking. He did kind of a real quick um, review. But coming to the throne, he started really with us coming to the throne in confidence because of the work that Jesus did on the cross, because of God being, in fact, our Father. Um, And then to acknowledge God's holiness, to have this attitude in our lives on a daily basis of hallowing the name of God, to pray really every moment in our lives that God would be made holy, that he would be hallowed. And, you know, we, you and I, we cannot control the circumstances around us. We can't control the world around us, but we can control the things in ourselves. We can control the choices that we make. We can control the speech that comes out of our mouth. We can control the attitudes that we have, the beliefs that we have um, through the Holy Spirit. Um, And then Jesus taught about, again, Richie talked about the kingdom coming, the will of God being done, and that that is our posture. You know, right now, right now, in the heavenly realms, there is God and the Holy Spirit and Jesus are there, the triune God, that are living in perfect harmony with one another. And God's will is done there completely. There are angels who, the angels who chose to obey and follow the Lord are there. And either now or later, people who have believed in God are going to be or are currently in the heavenly realms. And in the heavenly realms, everything, God's will is perfectly done. And God is asking us to pray that, ev- that the same way that life is taking place, it's, if life is even an appropriate word, that existence is taking place in the heavenly realms, he's asking us to pray that that would come to the earth, that that would be done here, his will and his kingdom would come. 
And then Jesus talked about as uh, kind of transitioning into praying for our daily bread. And kind of what prompted me last week was Richie talked about the true uh, part of that prayer is actually for provision, for the sustenance that we do truly need. And he made the point that here in Ojai, the reality is, is that the vast majority of us don't actually have that need. Um, as much of the world does, as frankly most of the people that he was talking to in this day needed to literally pray for God to provide them with food, with sustenance, with what they needed that day to live. And in many parts of the world today, that is a very real and a very active prayer. But Richie pointed out that we needed to kind of expand that and be praying also for Jesus to become our life and to for our life to be continually transformed and working, you know, uh, just moving forward with him. And so the Lord just reminded me as I was sitting there last week listening about him being the bread of life. Um, and uh, John 6 starts with the miracle of Jesus feeding the 5,000. There were about 5,000 men, which meant that there were way more people, because that doesn't include counting the women and the children. Um, but Jesus was meeting the physical, the tangible, the uh, sustenance needs of those people. He was having compassion on them because they had been there, frankly, a long time listening um, to him. And after he had been done, after that uh, miracle that he had performed, he and his disciples uh, left and they crossed the lake over to Capernaum. Well, the next morning when all the people kind of woke up and they realized Jesus and the disciples had left, they also crossed the lake or they walked around and they went to Capernaum looking for Jesus. And when they found him, this is the first thing that he said to them. He confronted them by saying, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. They were seeking actual just more sustenance, more stuff that Jesus had provided for them. Um, and then he said, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, for on him God the Father has set his seal. So they pressed him. to. Un they didn't understand what he meant by that. This food that he was saying God would provide that was um, enduring to eternal life. And so they pressed him and said, but Moses, you know, uh, out in the desert, God provided manna, you know, for the people. He miraculously did that. And um, Jesus explained that that was not even the real bread from heaven. He says uh, in Matthew 6, Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. So Jesus was explaining to them that the bread is not manna, there is spiritual bread that God is going to be giving. And then he goes on in the next sentence and identifies that spiritual bread as being a he, a person, that that is the nature of the bread. And when they, uh, the Jews had asked him, sir, give us this bread always, Jesus' response was, I, I, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. So Jesus was taking the whole concept two steps forward, identifying not just he, but me, I, Jesus Christ, the Son of Man, the Son of God, standing here in front of you, I am the bread of life. And he further explained what does that mean for him as Jesus, the Son of God, the Son of Man. What it meant to Jesus was that I am here not to do my will. I am here to do the will of the Father, of him who sent me. So this concept of I am the bread of life, how do we understand that? Um, there's so many different facets to look at, but one of the ways that we can understand it, obviously, is that our physical bodies need sustenance. We need food. We need water to survive. If we don't have it, we die. Um, our spiritual bodies, our spiritual 
um, reality is exactly the same way. If we don't have food, if we don't have sustenance on a daily basis, in a constant way, we will suffer. We will die spiritually. And Jesus is that daily sustenance. He is that daily bread that our spirits need to survive. And he promised that when we come to him as that bread, we will never hunger and we will never thirst. The Bible talks a lot about using food as kind of a figurative speech or example to explain how we live and grow in our spiritual lives. Um, Jesus uses the example of food in John 4. Uh, He and his disciples had completed a long journey. It says that he was exhausted, tired at the end of a very long day. The disciples had gone into town to buy food for the group. And while they're gone, he meets, this is his interaction with the Samaritan woman, um, where Jesus explains to her really truth and reality that he was the living water, that he was, in fact, the Messiah. The Samaritan woman had left to go back to her town to tell the people about everything that had just occurred with Jesus when his disciples come back. And in John 4.31, it says, Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. They're talking about, we bought food. Here, you're hungry. We've had a long day. Have something to eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him something to eat? They're still tracking along with bread and fish and water and that kind of stuff. And he is telling them, I have food to eat that you don't know about. Well, what is that? Jesus said to them, my food, what keeps me, what I thrive on, what I eat, is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. That was the food that, was, that Jesus was talking about. So last week I'm sitting here and I'm thinking oh, about this giving us our daily bread um, and, uh, you know, that it is giving us, in fact, the daily sustenance, but I'm thinking that really what we're asking God in giving us this daily bread is asking God to give us this day our daily spiritual food, the spiritual food, not the physical food. Or another way we could put it is give us this day our daily will. Give us your will today. What is your will for me today? Or give us this day our daily Jesus That's just another way we can pray that same prayer. Give us today what Jesus is, what you want, what your will is for me today. Jesus said that my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. This was for Jesus his real food, what really kept him going every moment of the day to accomplish the will and work of his father. Um, So how do we do that? How do we... um, move into that same mentality and position of asking God to show us what his will is uh, for us, to show us what his works are, to show us what he has for us today, because that is our real spiritual food. We have to eat real food, you know, to live our bodies, but what really brings us life, what really connects us, what really develops that relationship that Richie is talking about What really brings his kingdom, what really brings his will to earth is feasting on that spiritual food. So how do we do that? Um, First, honestly, it really means spending time, taking time, devoting time, choosing to spend time with Jesus. In John 4.19, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. And whatever the Father does... That is what the Son does likewise. Jesus is describing the nature of, on a daily basis, on a moment-by-moment basis, this relationship that he, as a man, as the Son of Man, as the Son of God on earth, is having with his Father. He's describing that he sees what the Father is doing, and when he sees it, he goes and does it. He hears what the Father is saying, and Jesus goes and says it. He hears and sees the Father, and he turns and does it here on earth. Um, So through the work of the cross, Jesus' death, through the work of the resurrection, his resurrecting and going to the Father's right hand, and the coming of the Holy Spirit, God is inviting you, and God is inviting me into that same relationship that Jesus had with the Father. He wants you and I to see 
what the Father is doing, to see what Jesus is doing, and to turn and do that on earth. He wants us to hear what the Father is saying, what Jesus is saying, and to turn and to say that here on earth. He wants us to have that same relationship with the Father that he had with the Father. In John 15:5, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, walks in me, lives in me, dwells in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus told us that apart from the Father, he can do nothing. That was Jesus describing his relationship with his Father. Jesus himself, the Son of God, the Son of Man, said, apart from the Father, I can do nothing. And he's giving that same message to us. Apart from him, you and I can do nothing. So unless we are seeing from him, hearing from him, watching him, walking in him, abiding in him, we really can do nothing. All of the fruit that our life might generate that matters in this life comes from eating the bread of life from partaking in Jesus all the time. We can enter into this relationship with God through prayer. We can enter into it through seeking his will, this continuous praying that uh, Richie was talking about, about relying on him, seeking him all through the day, of reading and listening to the truth in Scripture, and doing that a lot, being fed by the truth that we find in Scripture and relying on the indwelling Holy Spirit to guide us. Jesus tells us in John 16, But when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on His own. He will speak only what He hears. And He will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify Me, Jesus, because it is from Me that He will receive what he will make known to you. So now he's talking about the relationship between Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit and us. The Holy Spirit is also listening to Jesus and conveying that to us. Listening, watching Jesus and conveying that to us. And so we again are, are, have this privilege, this ability to be drawn through the Holy Spirit who Jesus says will guide us into all the truth. And he's doing that. The Holy Spirit is doing that by speaking only what he hears and glorifying Jesus because Jesus is giving the Holy Spirit what to give to us. So we eat the bread of life who is Jesus by dwelling in and walking in the Holy Spirit. And we do this together. Ephesians 14, I'm sorry, 4, 15 and 16 says, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. It is only in the context of the body that we can um, have Jesus as the bread of life. It is only in the context of the body, the church, that we can thrive and grow in this pursuit of Jesus being our bread, of Jesus being our food. There are, um, and there are so many people here at the well who do just this. There are so many who have food that the rest of us can't see, who are fed spiritually by knowing and doing the will of God, by seeing and hearing God, and then doing what they see and hear by the Holy Spirit through doing God's will. Um, I think of Sue and Michelle and Darianne and many other wonderful ladies who see and hear Jesus and translate that into prayer, into fervent prayer. They are seeing and hearing what Jesus is saying and they are turning that into prayer. And they are being fed. They are finding spiritual food from hearing and listening to Jesus and then praying. I see Garrett and Isaac and Jordan and Becca and many other young adults 
who are seeing and hearing Jesus and turning that to the youth here at the well. Who are, they are being fed. They have food that you and I don't see. That they are f- gathering and getting from Jesus and turning and seeing and hearing and telling what they see and what they hear to our youth. I see Kathy P. and Gabby and Carl and Tina and Susan and many others seeing and hearing and serving in the commons. There is food that they are receiving from God, what they're seeing and hearing and turning around and giving it to you and I through service in the commons. I see Richie, I see Bill, I see Randy and many others who are seeing and hearing Jesus. Their food is to go to the Father and to hear his word, to see what he's doing and to give it to us through teaching. That is the food. They have food that you and I don't see, that they are being fed internally by the Holy Spirit and giving it to us through the form of teaching. I see Rennell and Kim and Sarah and so many others feeding off of and giving to our children, giving to the young ones and helping them understand and learn who Jesus is and who they are in Jesus. They have food that they are drawing from and partaking of every day that you and I don't see, but we benefit from it in how they take care of our kids. I see Tyler. I see Kathy. I see Diana and others seeing and hearing through mentoring, through counseling, through caring, through being there for others when the need is there. They have a food that they find in Jesus, and they give it to others through mentoring and through counseling. There are so many other examples here at the well, but the point is that all of us today, we are surrounded. You are sitting next to, you're sitting in front of, you're sitting in back of, So many people, brothers and sisters, who are feeding on Jesus, and we can do this together. We can find and and pursue and embrace and take Jesus as our bread of life, whose daily spiritual food is to discern and do the will of God. We've all been given everything that we need. Richie just read that. Um, We all have all the tools. We have Jesus. We have the Father. We have the Holy Spirit, and we have one another. So let, let's all of us here today just make that commitment to say to the Lord and to start really by telling him, yes, yes, I want you, Jesus, as my bread. I want you as my daily food. I want you as my daily sustenance. I want to hear, I want to see, and I want to take what I hear and see and give it to others. Thanks, bro. You know, thank you. We celebrate all that God's doing here, and at the core of it is the bread of life. Is the bread of life. And for some of us, uh, this has been uh, maybe more of a sanctification, learning to pray. You, you, you're a believer, and you, you know, you're listening, and you're, you're going to try some new things, and your approach to prayer, the new covenant relationship. But really, my heart today, and, and has been all week, uh, maybe you're here and you've been here for four weeks and it's your fifth week in this prayer. You kind of get it, but you're kind of feeling, does that apply to me? I, maybe at the root, today is your day to say, Lord, give me the, my bread, Jesus. It's a new covenant relationship. It's a new covenant relationship. And, and, and uh, you know, there's a phrase, seeing is believing, but you can flip that, believing is seeing. When you believe, God opens your eyes to the spiritual realities. And suddenly you're like, I get it. And for some here, maybe maybe today you just need to say, Father, give me today my daily bread. And that means Jesus. I need Jesus. I need Jesus. I've been trying to figure this out. I'm so in my head. I've been trying to, I've resisted you today. Finally, it's just give me my daily bread, Father. And so you can truthfully say, our Father. Our Father, because Jesus is your bread of life. So, Father, we, we do thank you. We do praise you. And for the last four weeks before communion, we have stopped and we have had FaceTime with you. And, Father, today, again, we have FaceTime before Bill comes up. And, Father, the prayer, the heart has been for those who have been with us that today 
Jesus would be received as their bread of life. Maybe they've been in church for a long time. Maybe this is the very first time. Maybe they're a first-time visitor. Maybe they're listening uh, on the web for the very first time and, and the recognition is I need the true bread. The true bread of life, Jesus. It's a covenant relationship. In fact, Jesus says that it's a covenant in His blood. So it's really praying according to the new covenant, according to who we are in Christ, because we have received the bread of life, Jesus. So we'll have face time. And if you need to receive Jesus, the Bible says we are saved by grace through faith. Not of ourselves, not by works. So receive Jesus by faith as the bread of life, your very sustenance, the very core of your deepest need is Jesus as your bread. And for those of us who are in a new covenant relationship, Father, we sit before you and we listen. For even one minute, we listen for what you want to say to us what you want to teach us, what you want to correct us, what you want to train us, where maybe, maybe we need to be reproved, whatever it is. We simply listen, Father, in preparation for communion.